the Applied Energy Research Team at the Nova Scotia Community College develops and tests sustainable energy alternatives. The team is led by Dr. Wayne Grosko. They test better methods of collecting and analyzing big data related to energy use. Let's see what he has to say about solar energy, new discoveries, and bi-directional charging. Hi, Dr. Wayne Grosko. Hello, Maria. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for joining me. I'm really excited to hear about all the, the work that you're doing at, at NSCC. But tell us a little bit about yourself and how you what led you to NSCC. Sure. So I work as the Applied Energy Research Scientist at the Nova Scotia Community College. So I, run a, I manage a team of research associates. And we do practical research and development projects with local companies, mostly and communities on renewable energy, sustainable energy, energy storage, things to do with the uh, transition to decarbonized energy. And I, uh, you know, I came here through uh, a, a long road of uh, research and consulting and teaching and uh, really got my start in that with the realization many years ago that we need to urgently uh, address the, the climate crisis. And that obviously gets um, clearly more urgent every year. So that's, uh, that's what inspired me to get into the renewable energy field. What projects are you and your team working on right now? Uh, we're working on a, a few. Most of what we do can land in the categories of solar energy, and energy storage, uh, along with uh, energy management uh, and a bit about the, the applications of that energy. So to, to take some examples, we recently completed a test chamber that a, a startup company can use to test their new kind of solar panels. So they're working on perovskite solar cells, which are uh, a new material, which hopefully will turn out to be both cheaper, more flexible, uh, that, uh, and as effective as um, the existing silicon solar cells and needed a test chamber to, to test out the, those cells. Um, we've also tested uh, solar panels from a company that's designing them specifically for use in a particular application, which in this case is uh, on sailing boats. And in the energy storage realm, we... Uh, are working on with a couple of startup, com startup companies on testing and pilot projects of ways of storing energy in the form of heat, so thermal thermal energy storage. When we think of energy storage, often we will think of batteries such as lithium batteries that store electricity, and and those are those are also great ways to store energy. However, most of what we need energy for, especially in Canada, is heat. And if you can find ways, which there, there are ways to store energy as heat for um, relatively short periods of time, let's say uh, half a day to uh, a day or two, that uh, being able to store that heat has uh, almost the same effectiveness as storing in a battery, but 
can it has the potential to be much less expensive, so much more affordable to implement. And an example is we have been working with some companies to test units that will go into a home and they contain a non-toxic material that absorbs heat and can wait and release that heat later. Uh, it's, its technical term is called a phase change material. And with that, you can absorb a lot more heat than with other technologies and re, um, regain that heat later with a very high efficiency and effectiveness. So we've helped test uh, a couple of um, couple of systems and products that that use that material and that and that principle. And then in in the battery realm, we also have recently helped build a really interesting prototype of a battery energy storage system, which is something that you could install in a in a building to provide backup power and to provide what are called peak shaving services. So when there's demand on the grid, you would use the battery instead and avoid some of your demand charges. The, that Those products ex exist already. But what is really interesting about this one is it's made using repurposed batteries, sort of what we call second life batteries from electric and hybrid vehicles. That So they've already had one use in vehicle and have come out for, of the vehicle for various reasons. And it's possible, and we, we work with this company to make a prototype to be able to use that, give it a second life, providing power in our building. Uh, so that's a few examples of some of the things we're currently working on. Yeah. What about bi-directional charging? I mean, there, there seems to be a lot of talk about that capability, what can happen. Yeah, so, so bi-directional charging would be the, the capability of an electric vehicle when it's plugged in to contribute some of the energy and power in the battery back into whatever it's plugged into, the building, grid, um, or uh, an off-grid load. And the, the equipment to do that does exist. And we have, at NSCC, we had the great fortune to install and test the first um, commercially available certified one in Atlantic Canada. And um, that's a unit that can contribute up to 30 kilowatts of power back into a building, which we installed it um, at one of our campuses and tested it out and found that it, it worked as, as specified. So that, that was um, a good uh, project and a good partnership with, uh, for us also with the electric utility here in Nova Scotia Power. They're, the reason that there's so much talk about bidirectional charging for electric vehicles is because of the vast amount of storage capacity that our coming and future fleet of vehicles represents um, it, easily. Even in a small province like Nova Scotia, there are hundreds of thousands of personal vehicles. And each one has, it, once, once they are, you know, converted, become electric, yeah, which um, the adoption rates of electric vehicles are increasing all the time. The batteries in the battery in an individual electric vehicle is is quite large compared with, let's say, the usage of a home. If you had a, the equipment and you plugged in your electric vehicle to your home, and if you just picture kind of a, a, a fairly ordinary single-family dwelling, if there was a um, power outage emergency and you were sparing with your power, you could run your home from your car for a couple of days. So it's, it's significant. And the neat thing about that capacity is that 
people are buying electric cars anyway for their other advantages. Right. Um, lower operating costs, lower greenhouse gas emissions, lower maintenance mm -hmm. cost, um, and just the, the driving experience and the want to have an electric vehicle. That's a significant investment. And it, it comes with this very large battery in it, which means if you can get affordable bi-directional charging equipment, then suddenly you have a whole battery too. Exactly. Uh, at much lower incremental costs than going out and purchasing a home battery and installing it in your home. So it, it does have enormous potential. And, you know, the, the ability to capitalize on, on that potential is something that is still in development. Um, that field is very much in flux. There are, you know, four or five different sorts of bidirectional chargers that are available on the market, mostly in other countries. And, you know, part of it is just the, the process and, uh, of getting them certified for use in Canada and meeting all the standards and right. so on and, and testing. But we're, we're involved in that and we see that as, uh, as having a lot of potential as well. Sorry to interrupt here, but did you know that this podcast is a passion project of sociable media? And this is where I get to do a shameless plug for our services. Sociable Media is a digital marketing agency that works with clients in the renewable energy sector. We design websites, manage social media, run ad campaigns, write content, all that sort of digital marketing stuff. I just want to throw that in there. Now back to the podcast. One of your uh, research projects involved seawater and something to do with how um, you could use less energy by extracting the seawater, or tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, that's a that's a really fun project. Um, so that's OK Sea Salt, which is a, a local salt producer. So they produce sea salt here in Nova Scotia, and the way they do that is the way that sea salt has been produced as a time honored tradition for millennia. Mm -hmm. They go and gather seawater. And they evaporate the water until the uh, the salt is is gone. Or, sorry, the salt is there, the water is gone. So you right. Harvest the salt. So that process typically starts by putting the water out in a, a covered kind of like coal frame, so that the sun can naturally uh, help it evaporate. And and that works, but it takes quite a long time, especially. Uh, in the climate of Nova Scotia and, and in winter, there's just not enough sun to make that produce, uh, evaporate the water quickly enough for the amount of production that's needed. And so then if you move to uh, essentially using purchased energy, such as electricity, then you're uh, evaporating the water, you're boiling it off. It uses tremendous amounts of energy to do that. The, the heat capacity, the capacity of um, boiling water is really large. So our project involved um, testing out or trying out some different ways to try to reduce that energy. And um, we came up with three different ways that that could potentially be reduced. One was adding more solar heat into the, um, essentially the evaporation box by using a solar water heater. So it's a fairly simple solution. And another one was, um, what's called a heat pump vacuum extractor. So if you 
apply a vacuum to, uh, if you place the water under vacuum, then it'll evaporate more quickly at a lower temperature. So it essentially reduces the boiling temperature and therefore reduces it to a lower, low enough temperature that you can put the heat in with a heat pump, which uh, in principle should be more efficient. So we tested some equipment. We still have some ways to go in terms of the equipment was really kind of a rough prototype and it needs refinement before it will actually be more efficient than um, what they're currently doing now, which is uh, is boiling off the water using normal electric stoves. We even found a third, which I think has great potential, not just for salt making, but for the whole food drying industry generally, which is a completely different approach called electrostatic drying. Uh, and we learned this through um, an engineering professor at Dalhousie University, which is one of the great things about what we do is we're able to make partnerships with uh, a lot of different academic institutions. And they had found that this phenomenon that if you apply a strong static uh, electric field to a essentially plate full of water, it will evaporate three times as fast, even at room temperature, um, which means and, and that electrostatic field takes very little electric energy to produce. So um, I think this shows fantastic potential for drying yeah, food, for uh, making things like um, syrup out of apple juice and anything where you need to evaporate water. Um, I'm hoping, and this hasn't come to fruition yet, but I'm hoping that we'll be able to set up a longer-term project to build bigger prototypes of electrostatic dryers uh, working with the, the props at Dow and um, making this more commonly available in the, in the food industry. Well, it's interesting. Canada is so well known for its maple syrup. So maybe this is one way to, to produce it faster in the springtime. The actually reason why we found out about it is this technique is super useful for making birch syrup. So syrup can also be made from birch sap, uh, which we have a lot. And um, the thing about birch sap is its sugar content is different and it, its taste is damaged by heat. So if you want a good birch syrup product, you you cannot uh, heat it up, up above a certain temperature, which makes it very difficult to evaporate the water um, unless you apply something like electrostatic drying and and again it was through it's it, this is all about connections like it was through a connection to um uh, norm popin a um uh, a faculty member here at nscc his kind of side almost hobby was making birch syrup therefore uh he knew about uh these different technologies which we then we then investigated interesting it's kind of like a happy accident or or just kind of kind of how uh, silly putty was invented that kind of yeah. thing. So, how do you involve the students in all of the projects that you take part of? How do, how do you include the students? Yeah, so that's a really important part of what we do. And um, my role at NSCC, I don't actually teach any courses. I, I run this lab all the time, and the way that we involve students in it is keeping in touch with the faculty members and professors. We see if there's opportunities for them to do their senior projects. So they have to do senior projects and so that, so they could do a research project with us. And they also do often internships and work terms as part of their work experience. And so we, at any given time, we normally have uh, a number of students 
working in the lab on projects and they learn quite a lot from that and we benefit greatly from from their help um, right now we have two students and one uh, one just finished their their work term um so that that's a that's kind of an ongoing process what about job opportunities and and tr future trends um for for the students that you work with what do you see it looking like in the renewable energy sector so the renewable energy field globally and in canada and in that i would also at the energy efficiency sector and all these um, skills and uh, jobs related to the, the transition to uh, low or net zero carbon is essentially a rapidly growing field. In general, there are, there are lots of opportunities. Um, there are lots of jobs for folks with technical skills. There's, um, there's lots of startup companies, lots of new activity and uh, more established companies kind of adjusting their mandates to fit the, the ongoing changes in the reality of, of, uh, of decarbonization. It's, um, I, I see it as a lot of opportunity and for the most part, folks who are graduating in fields like um, electrical engineering technology, electrical um, energy sustainability, engineering technology, they're, um, they're basically often they're hired before they're graduated. Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty active field right now. What's next for NSCC's uh, applied research program? Well, um, <clears throat> speaking specifically in the, the energy, um, cause it, you know, NSCC has five, uh, uh, applied research areas including agriculture and uh, geomatics and, and uh, IT and several. And um, the energy one is the one that I am directly involved in. And one of our new things is we're starting what we're calling the Clean Marine Propulsion Lab. And that's our, um, our entry into the space of the energy required for boats, so for, for marine vessels. And what we're looking at is with some support from the Canada Foundation for Innovation and Research in Nova Scotia, getting the equipment and a lab set up to be able to help design and test what, well, clean propulsion systems. So that's mostly electric, uh, electric drives uh, for boats, also hybrid, hybrid, say diesel, diesel electric, and looking towards the future to potentially hydrogen, hydrogen powered vessels. That is uh, that is getting underway now, and the the size category that we're focusing on is not so much like the tiny pleasure craft, and not so much the giant uh, uh, container ships, but the things in between. So lobster fishing vessels, um, ferries, uh, vessels used for research and um, security, and and those kind of things. So. We've, we've done our first couple of small projects and we're, we're ramping up with that. Um, you know, one of our hopes is, is soon to work with a local build, boat builder to produce our own version of an electric boat that um, our students in our Oceans Technology Advanced Diploma Program can use when they go out. So, you know, their, their program is about Excellent. working at sea. And yeah. we think while they're learning about working at sea, 
they should be doing it in a cutting edge electrical. That's excellent. It's it's nice to see the the cross usage of you know of of a, of a craft you know from one program to another. It's great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today, uh, you know, Dr. Wayne. And uh, it's it's great to hear about all the the research that you're doing for businesses and and companies, but also teaching students and and showing them you know the the practices and the procedures that are needed and in this exciting, uh, you know, renewable energy industry sector. So, well, thank you, Maria, for inviting me to speak about it. Um, it's, uh, it's been a lot of fun talking about it. All right. Have a great day. We'll talk to you later. Yep. You too. See you, Maria. Thank you for listening. Hey, would you like to be a future guest on Reimagined Energy? If so, send me an email at podcast at sociablemedia.co. A big shout out to our sponsor, Smart Energy, Canada's clean technology event. It's an annual conference that's held every year in Halifax, Nova Scotia. I'm Maria McGowan. Cheers for now.